Welcome to Putting Up Numbers, the podcast about uniform numbers. Here we break down the stories behind the numbers, talk about the all-time greats that made the number iconic, and give you our picks for the uniform number Hall of Fame and Hall of Shame. You can also hit us up at puttingupnumbers.com and give us your picks. I'm Tom Davis here in Los Angeles, and joining me from Dallas, word to your moms, he came to drop bombs. It's Rudy Klanick. Rudy, what's today's number? Today, we're celebrating the number 24. And to do that, we had an interview with none other than Big Bill Cartwright. Fantastic interview. Fantastic guy. Look forward to that. Yes. And before we get into the Big Bill Cartwright interview, we have a brand new segment on the show. And Rudy, our crack team of branding experts have met. They've worked round the clock on this. And there are three suggestions. So you get to pick. But here are the three suggestions. Number news. Clannock's Corner or Rudy's Roundup? Those are the three. Those are, those are the only three. Which one do you do you select? I think we're going with Numbers News, Tom. <laughs> numbers News. I can't believe you didn't go with Rudy's Roundup. I had a whole yeah. thing with six yeah. guns and, no, you know. It's very promising. Uh, maybe, maybe another segment another time. But let's go with Numbers News. All right. So this is the inaugural edition, ladies and gentlemen, of Numbers News with your reporter, Rudolph. Jay Klanick. Fantastic. Yeah, this is great. Uh, we're going to start this segment to focus on Jersey number news, not necessarily our number of the week, but just I mean, what's going on. And there's a lot going on. NFL is about to be online and we'll get after that in subsequent episodes about all the Jersey number activity there. But we have a Jersey retirement, which obviously our podcast should be very keenly aware of. Dick Allen. Dick Allen's number 15 will be retired by the Philadelphia Phillies on September 3rd, which also marks the 57th anniversary of his big league debut. He played nine of his 15 seasons with the Phillies, was a National League Rookie of the Year, just a monster uh, for them. He was second in Philly's history in slugging percentage behind only Hall of Famer Chuck Klein, and he ranks 10th in home runs. Rudy, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? I don't understand it. You know, when we're looking up these numbers, I mean, he had some amazing numbers, very solid, as solid, if not more solid, than a lot of guys that are getting in now. I'm talking to you, Craig Biggio, but Dick Allen, not in the Hall of Fame, certainly in the Phillies Hall of Fame. Clearly, they're retiring his jersey number, but man... 319 home runs. As I recall, he missed it. He missed it by one yeah, vote yeah. several years ago. That is, is that right? right? One vote. He's the uh, Drew Pearson of the Major League Baseball uh, Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Drew's an all decade team guy, and he's the only all decade guy not in a pro football Hall of Fame. They're trying to make amends to that. Hopefully, they will shortly. But Dick Allen still on the outside, outside looking in at Cooperstown, man. Not it's a crime, but we're honoring him here, and the Phillies are um, tipping the cap and the jersey to Dick Allen on September third. So well, well warranted, and hopefully well received by Dick Allen's family. And hopefully he doesn't get booed like Santa Claus did in Philadelphia. But ladies and gentlemen, that was the very first number news. Not Rudy's roundup. Not Clanix Corner. Number news. There it is. So, Rudy, let's uh, let's get Bill Cartwright in here, huh? Uh, pretty fun to talk to a six-time NBA champion, three as a player, three as a coach, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bill, you know, was a historic figure for the University of San Francisco. He's now back working for the Dons, which is awesome, and uh, played with Michael Jordan 
was in the uh, fabled summertime documentary. Last Dance had some comments about that, too, which are really interesting and uh, let her rip. And here we go. Hope you enjoy the interview with myself, Rudy, and the great Bill Cartwright. Today's guest was a key part of one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history. Bill Cartwright played 15 seasons for the Knicks, Bulls, and Sonics, and was the co-captain of the Bulls teams that won three straight NBA titles in the early 90s. After his playing days, he became a successful assistant coach with the Bulls, Nets, and Suns, and a part of three more championship teams. He was a three-time All-American at University of San Francisco and is still the Don's all-time leading scorer. His number 24 is retired at USF alongside greats like Bill Russell and Casey Jones, and he's now a special assistant with USF Basketball. Bill, welcome to Putting Up Numbers. It's very good to be here. Okay, so now let's get this out of the way. It's 16 years, not 15, 16. 16 years. <laughs> All right. Well, see, look at that. Hey, man, you took a year from him. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. Sorry. All right. 16 years it is. Speaking of 16 years, you, you wore number 24 through most of that. Obviously, 25 there in New York because 24 was retired for Bill Bradley. But 24 goes back to high school with you. What was the significance of number 24? One, my cousin played basketball. He was like a one of the guys I played basketball against. He's like four years older than me, and I really learned a lot of basketball from him. So he was happened to be wearing twenty four, and I was just happy to have it. And also, my favorite baseball player, uh, which I thought I was at one point in time, Willie Mays, had twenty four. So uh, I've, I've always been drawn to it. So there you go. So I ended up with twenty four. No, that's great. Bill, the game has changed a lot. If you were coming up now, you'd be probably taking five to seven three-pointers a game versus a bunch of 17-footers. What are your thoughts as you look at, you know, you watch basketball today, especially as bigs are concerned, what do you think about today's style of play? Well, most guys who played when I played, they think it's dead-ass backward. It's a lot of things. It's Transition basketball, it's alley-oops, it's three-point shots, it's screen roll, it's isolation. And, you know, we played basketball where the movement of the ball dictated the shot as opposed to this dribble, 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 individuals making plays. It just has a totally different feel. So I try not to judge it and just try to enjoy it. But yeah. uh, it, it, it looks a little dead-ass backwards to me. <laughs> You know, you, you had such a very unique shooting style. And a lot of players in your era had, they got it done. It just looked a lot different than, it, again, it does today. A, a lot of shooters now look all alike. They're very, very good shooters. They can step back from 35 feet, as we see during the NBA playoffs going on right now. But how would you develop that such a unique shooting style? I've tried to replicate it at the free throw line. I never could. How did you develop that style? Well, I don't think it's something that you aspire to develop. I think it comes from, I don't know, some uh, some foot surgeries, maybe some knee surgeries. I've had pretty much every one of my fingers dislocated. So it's just something that kind of happens and uh, just kind of go go with it. Uh, it's funny because people ask me about my shot and – my feel on my shot feels as normal as it ever has. It just looks a little different. But don't try it at home. You're probably going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did, and I did. <laughs> well, over the quarantine, I think uh, it seemed like all of America learned a lot if they hadn't known or got to relive it. 
if you did watch it, The Last Dance, the documentary that obviously you played a, a prominent role in in Michael Jordan's first three and the Bulls' first three. Tell us kind of what was your impressions of the documentary itself and tell me what you thought of The Last Dance. I personally found a lot of humor. And then it was kind of Michael's story. Well, it wasn't exactly Michael's story. I mean, there was a lot of guys left out that a lot of my teammates were not thrilled with. And there's a lot of inaccuracies. Like one of the biggest ones was this thing of where Michael punches Steve Kerr, if you can imagine that, and yeah, Wolper we'll Yeah. And then now all of a sudden we're to believe that this guy is, you know, laughingly now, now he's a tough guy. So, you know, for my teammates, I have to, I have to call them up. When did this guy get to be a tough guy all of a sudden? <laughs> and also, you become a tough guy because you're Bud Steve Kerr, really? So, <laughs> so for us, all those episodes were uh, pretty silly. <laughs> That's awesome. Bill, we've got five fellow number 24s. We've got Willie Mays, Kobe Bryant, Jeff Gordon, Ken Griffey Jr., and Ricky Henderson. How would you rank those five guys? The first guy, Willie Mays, I think we're done. Everybody else is second. <laughs> I think that's how you rank. Those other guys are great, but this guy is one of the greatest. Guys. Speaking of New York, you know, your third pick overall played for the Knicks. You know, it's a premier franchise that hasn't been relevant in such a long time. How important is it for the NBA to have New York, the Knicks, is not Brooklyn, but New York Knicks, be good again and be maybe great at some point? You know, I, I view everything in teams. So if you know, if your if your owners are good, and and leads their president and general manager alone, I think that's the foundation that you need. Now, now you need some players. I mean, you don't need Hall of Fame guys, but you need guys who are good. But it, but it all starts with your staff and your foundation. If, if you don't have that, if your foundation is not solid, it's, it's just just not going to happen. So if you don't have an identity of who you are, you're probably not going to win. So until they can figure that out, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, seems like they're not going anywhere, but we'll see. We'll see, man. It'd be great to see the Knicks good again. Well, Bill, we thank you very much for the time. We wish you well with uh, the season upcoming. Let's hope. We appreciate the time. Thanks very much for being on Putting Up Numbers. Well, thank you. Remember those dimes, green and gold. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks, Bill. All right, guys. Our thanks to Big Bill Cartwright for the interview. Rudy, we have another absolutely jam-packed show, do we not, with the number 24? We got another great number. Lots of guys to get to. I'm going to kick it off focusing on baseball. And just like Bill said, he wore 24 because of Willie Mays. Willie Mays uh, at the top of our list of contenders for the crown of the best ever 24. Five-tool player. Guy could play right now and be you know, MVP candidate, I am sure. 12 time gold glove winner. Amazing. And obviously won his one World Series. Kind of find that hard to believe, but one World Series in 1954. But Willie Mays at the top of the list. Anybody that grew up in that era was a Willie Mays fan. Another contender, Ricky Henderson. I love Ricky Henderson. He had a bunch of different numbers. Why did he wear 24? Guess what? He wore 24 because of Willie Mays, the all-time leader in steals, the best leadoff hitter in the history of baseball, a power guy from the right side. He's a rare player. He 
threw left-handed but batted only right-handed. Did not switch it. Tom, little known fact, so did I, but I did not turn out <laughs> like Ricky Henderson. Ricky's career spanned like 17 decades. It actually spanned 25 years. He wore the numbers 39, 35, 24, 22, 14, and 25. Amazing run of numbers there, man. I'd put that up against anybody. But Ricky Henderson, another contender for sure. And then, look, we got the kid, Ken Griffey Jr., one of the sweetest swings in baseball history. Done all without the cloud of steroids over his head, right? No cloud over Ken Griffey Jr. Lots of clouds pretty much over everyone else he played with, but no cloud over (laughs) Ken Griffey Jr. Amazing home run hitter, one of the greatest outfielders to ever do it. He chose 24 because he hit 24 home runs between his junior year in high school and his summer baseball league in Cincinnati, his hometown. And he actually wrote in that he had to wear 24 in his first contract with the Mariners. That number since been retired by the Mariners, retired in 2016. He also wore 33 and 17 in stops along the way with the Reds and White Sox. But Ken Griffey Jr. is a Mariner forever in my book. Another 24, Tony Perez. What a great contender. Great first baseman for the Big Red Machine. He also wore five with Boston and 37 with Philly. But Tony Perez batted right in the middle of one of the most potent lineups in baseball history. Tony is a Hall of Famer, elected to the Hall of Fame, and had his number retired in Cincinnati, both in 2000. Fantastic player. Big power hitter, right side. Early win a contender for the crown, only player to win the Cy Young wearing 24. He did it with the White Sox in 1959 at the age of 39. That's amazing. Um, That's that's really impressive. Manny Ramirez, the very maddening Manny Ramirez. As a Dodger fan, man, I loved him. I hated him, but I kind of liked the fact that he wore 99 with the Dodgers. Uh, He also wore it in Chicago. But 24 with Cleveland and Boston, and, you know, he's a Boston Red Sox in most of our heads. What a great hitter, another great power hitter, line drive hitter, nine-time silver slugger, and won two World Series, and, of course, was MVP of the 2004 World Series, and drove pretty much every manager and every fan of his absolutely crazy. But great player, great hitter, probably right now, would go two for four in a game this afternoon. Last on our list, but certainly not least on our list, it's an interesting one. So number 24 was worn by a young man named Barry Bonds, a skinny, very (laughs) talented player out of Arizona State. He wore it because his godfather, Willie Mays, as many of you hopefully know that, wore it in, in honor of Willie. Fantastic player at Pittsburgh, seven years, and really was... Hall of Fame talent before he transitioned to the number 25 when he went to the Giants and became very controversially the best player in baseball. How's that lineup sound to you as far as contenders for baseball go? I think I would put that lineup up against maybe any number we've had so far on the podcast. That's just the contenders. There's still a ton of guys that deserve at least a mention or a name check. Uh, Who are those guys? 
Yeah, for sure. We got Dwight Evans, um, great player in the seventies for the Red Sox. We got Deion Sanders. We talked about Deion. Obviously, wore number twenty-one during his ba- his football days, and wore number twenty-four with the Yankees and Braves. And you know, was a pretty dynamic baseball player, but certainly a uh, one-of-a-kind football player. We've got some sentimental favorites in here: Whitey Herzog, Walter Alston, two Hall of Fame level managers, Jimmy Wynn and Dick Grote. And Jimmy Wynn had the greatest nickname of all time. The toy cannon. The toy cannon. Yeah, he's 5'9", and he hits almost 300 career home runs. One of the coolest nicknames that's That's out there. That's great. That's a legit nickname. But uh, 24, I I think you'd be hard-pressed to find when we go through the other sports. I put baseball at the top of the list in terms of 24s and uh, and greatness. No question. We are going to hear some of these names again as we get into the Hall of Fame. Let's transition to football. I'll start first with the sentimental guys. There's a gentleman named Jack Christensen, who is a Hall of Famer. He is also a member of the Detroit Lions. And like his compadre, Charlie Sanders, I had never heard of him before. So I apologize (laughs) to Detroit fan John Labresh, friend of ours who listens to the show. But he played eight years. He was all NFL six times, won three NFL championships as a defensive back and return specialist. So Jack Christensen, as well as sentimental favorites, Freeman McNeil, who was the Jets all-time leading rusher when he retired after 12 years, and Everson Waltz, who is probably best known for being the other guy in the picture for the catch with Dwight Clark and... Joe don't Montana. Say that. Don't say that, man. That's tough. That's cowboy fan hates when, you, when people say that. But it's true, but they still hate it. <laughs> and I, I can tell you that I, I worked with Everson Walls a little bit years ago, the nicest man on the planet. He gave Ron Springs a fellow teammate a kidney. <laughs> but the day that I spent with Everson Walls, he signed pictures of the catch. He talked to people about the catch and he's kind of resigned himself to the fact that like, hey, this is what keeps me relevant and this is what people want to talk about. So it's totally fine. But as he told me, Rudy, and you've heard me tell this story before, he thought that Montana threw it in the stands and couldn't believe that Dwight Clark got behind him and caught the pass. Well, I'll tell you, here's a story that you probably didn't know. I know why Everson Walls is so darn nice. I was in an elevator at AT AT&T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry's World, the Death Star. And I was talking to this really nice lady who was an elevator attendant, and we got to talking, and she mentioned to me that her son used to play for the Cowboys. I was like, wow, that is phenomenal. Who's your son? And she said, well, my son was Everson Wall, or is Everson Walls. So Everson Walls' mom (laughs) was in the elevator. We had a fantastic conversation between the the basement where I was up to the third floor, and um, there you go, man. Nicest lady on the planet goes with the nicest son on the planet. So that's pretty cool. There you go. And Everson Walls, way more than two thumbs up for for that guy. So I wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about him. As far as people that are kind of in the honorable mention section, one would be Pete Dawkins, who was the 1958 Heisman Trophy winner at Army, also a Rhodes Scholar and got two bronze stars in Vietnam. So didn't do much with his life. (laughs) Uh, Willie Brown from the Raiders. Old man Willie, if you remember, he had a 75-yard interception return for a touchdown, which sealed a Raiders victory in the Super Bowl. Really a great player, and he was the guy who sort of started the 24 tradition with the Raiders, which we'll talk about. 
at length here in this conversation. Charles Woodson wore 24 with two different stints with the Raiders over 11 years. Was defensive rookie of the year in 98. Tied for second in career interceptions for touchdowns in the NFL with 11. And actually has a winery now where he puts out wine under the 24 by Charles Woodson label. So Woodson was the one who gave the go-ahead to Marshawn Lynch, who's the next guy on the list to wear 24 beast mode, who is probably best remembered for being a Seattle Seahawk instead of of a Raider, but won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks, five-time Pro Bowler, member of the NFL 2010 All-Decade team, and was cast in the third season of Westworld on HBO, if any of you watched that. So nice job out of him. Darrell Rivas, Rivas Island, number 24 throughout an 11-year career with the Jets, Bucks, Patriots, and Chiefs. In Tampa, he paid Mark Barron $50,000 to get number 24, seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, and he's from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, the home of Ty Law, Tony Dorsett, Mike Ditka, Sean Gilbert. Sean Gilbert, as a matter of fact, is Revis's uncle. So <laughs> Darrell Revis definitely belongs on the list. Also, Ty Law, who we just mentioned, played 15 seasons for the Patriots, Jets, Chiefs, and Broncos, two-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champion, member of the NFL 2000s All-Decade team, and elected to the Hall of Fame in 2019. And his uncle is Tony Dorsett. Now let's get to the contenders, Rudy. Uh, Willie Wood. Willie Wood was a defensive back with the Packers in their heyday in the 60s, but was also the first African-American quarterback in what's now the Pac-12. He played at USC, turned himself into a safety when he got to Green Bay, five-time NFL champion, two-time Super Bowl champion, eight-time Pro Bowler, made it to Canton in 1989. He and Willie Brown are two of the 16 undrafted players in the Hall of Fame. And he just recently died. He died in February at the age of 83. So Willie Wood belongs on the list, as does Lenny Moore. Lenny Moore was the first pick in 1956, played his entire 12-year career for the Baltimore Colts, seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, Rookie of the Year in 1956. Back-to-back NFL champion, played in the greatest game ever played, elected to the Hall of Fame in 1975, and has kind of an interesting dual honor. The Colts have retired number 24, but he is also in the Baltimore Ravens Ring of Honor. And finally, Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey wore number four at Georgia, wore number 24 throughout a 15-year career with Washington and Denver. He started every game he played in in the first 13 years of his career. A 12-time Pro Bowler, which is the most selections by a defensive back, three-time All-Pro, elected to the Hall of Fame in 2019 in his first year of eligibility. So, like I said, defensive backs and running backs kind of rule the number 24 from the NFL perspective. Basketball, Rudy, what do we have there? We've got some good ones. So we've got – I'll go through the sentimental favorites before I get to the contenders. We've got a a good host of guys, and then at the very top, we've, we've got one of the best. So on sentimental favorites, you got Paul George, who wore 24 when he first busted into the league with the Pacers. He's now wearing 13, which we're seeing every night for the Clippers. Great player. Uh, Tom Chambers, who had one of the nastiest dunks in NBA history over Mark Jackson. Over Mark Jackson, who really doesn't need to be a color broadcaster, by the way. But (laughs) that dunk has been immortalized or was immortalized on the great Sega Genesis game system. And Tom Chambers is basically unstoppable in that game. Do you remember that game? I do. And and just 
crazy dunks. He could dunk from like the three point line or something like that. Yep. Unbelievable. Um, kind of a kind of a white guy's dream come true there with Tom Chambers and the Sega Genesis game. For sure. And his time at 24 for real Tom Chambers was retired by the Suns, even though he only spent five years there. He's a great player. Jamal Mashburn, a, a solid NBA player, but his 24 was because of his, his stint at the University of Kentucky. The number was retired, but it remains active because you see at the University of Kentucky, they have 35 different numbers that have been honored with, quote unquote, (laughs) being retired. Um, They couldn't actually retire them because they, you know, they need them and stuff. But Mashburn was an awesome player for Kentucky, played a little bit in Dallas, played for the Heat, the Hornets, a good but not great player in the NBA, but but phenomenal with Kentucky. Clarissa Davis in college, uh, her number 24, retired by the University of Texas. And Mark Aguirre, a Dallas, man. Um, Dallas star. Yeah, number one pick in the 81 draft by the Mavericks, one of the all-time greats for the Mavericks. And of course, ironically, wins his championships wearing 23 with the Pistons. But then we get into the, the cream of the crops. The contenders on for basketball are really solid. We got two WNBA and, and college uh, women's college basketball stars on this list. Tamika Catchings and Don Staley, standout players in college, excellent players in the WNBA. Catchings won the WNBA championship, an MVP and a finals MVP and was a 10-time All-Star. And Dawn, she is one of the top 15 players of all time, six-time All-Star. And of course, she won a national championship uh, in 2017 as the head coach of South Carolina. So Dawn Staley, Tamika Catchings, two outstanding 24s. Bill Bradley, a fantastic number 24 for the Knicks back when the Knicks used to win basketball games. Um, <laughs> actually won two titles and made an all-star appearance. And his number has been retired by the Knicks. It's also a three term Democratic U.S. Senator and ran for president. Didn't make it all the way to the top, but ran for president in 2000 and a Hall of Famer inducted in 1983. Bobby Jones, one of my favorite players as a kid. Bobby Jones was a defensive specialist for the Philadelphia 76ers. 11 time, all defensive selection. It felt like he won the Sixth Man of the Year award every year, but Bobby Jones was great on those old Dr. J teams. Sam Jones, kind of of all the Celtics, uh, the greats, all the Celtic greats. I mean, Sam Jones may be the most forgotten Celtic great. He wore 24 for all 12 of his pro seasons in Boston, won 10 championships, was a five-time All-Star, and his number 24 hangs from the rafters in Boston, Hall of Famer in 1984. Sam Jones was a great one. A guy that refuses to be on other any other page than the cop blotter or on the Hall of Fame page is Spencer Haywood. What a crazy, crazy biography this guy has. Five-time All-Star, war number 24 with the Sonics. Obviously had issues with cocaine. He admitted to ki- wanting to kill Paul Westhead. When yeah. he was like, don't do drugs, kids. Out don't there. do drugs, kids. That's scary. But he also did some good, man. He did a lot of good. Actually, really what we should remember him for is taking his case to the Supreme Court to allow underclassmen to be selected in the NBA draft. He's a Hall of Famer. He was inducted in 2015, but that's a huge Supreme Court case to just allow underclassmen select, you know, to get selected in the NBA draft. So salute to Spencer Haywood. Let's remember him for that. Yes. Well, that? and also Let's he was that. once married to the supermodel Iman. 
We should hey. remember him for that. Nice job out of you, Spencer Haywood. Yeah, busy life there, buddy. Our three finalists, really, the three at the top of the basketball list, the pyramid of greatness for 24s. We've got Rick Barry, underhand free throw artist for sure. He also sired three NBA players. He was a 12-time All-Star, was a Rookie of the Year in 1966. Hey, the year I was born. Prolific score for the Warriors. He wore number 24 to honor. You guessed it. Willie Mays. Shocking. He switched to number two at home and number four on the road when he was with Houston because the great Moses Malone already had 24. We'll get to Moses here in two seconds. But Rick Barry, the only player to be a scoring leader in the NCAA, the ABA, and the NBA. He's a Hall of Famer, of course, elected into the Hall of Fame in 1987, man. Rick Barry had a lot going on, and he's got a lot of hot sports opinions about a lot of stuff as well, but um, he'll tell you how great he is. So our number two guy on this list, uh, contenders for the, the greatest number 24, is Moses Malone. Moses actually came to the NBA right out of high school. He wore five numbers over his 20-year NBA, ABA career. His number 24 was when he was with the Rockets, when he was a, I mean, he's one of the greatest offensive rebounders in NBA history, 13-time All-Star. Two of his three MVPs was wearing 24, and he went 1,212 games without fouling out. That's amazing. As much as he mixed it up in the paint and uh, was just always around a rebound, he was a career leader in offensive rebounds, NBA career leader with 6,731 offensive boards, and that's 2,100 more than the second-place guy, which is the chief, Robert Parrish. Of course, a Hall of Famer elected in 2001. Moses Malone, a fantastic Number 24. If I'm doing my fast math right, 1,212 games is 14 seasons in the NBA. Is that right? Without fouling out. Yeah. Holy cow. That's incredible. Now, another guy that didn't foul out, but for different reasons, because the referees loved him, (laughs) was our number one guy. As a contender goes, he's he's definitely going to be an argument for the best all-time number 24. And we're speaking of, of course, Kobe Bryant. A little controversial here because, as many of you know, Kobe wore number eight uh, when he first busted into the league right out of high school. And he was a dominant number eight. But number 24, I think, is going to be the number that we remember Kobe with. Don't you think, Tom? Yeah, it's, it's really weird when we looked at the research, right? It 24 sort of bisects his career, or the switch to 24. It sort of bisects his career in a really interesting way because he scored almost as exactly the same number of points wearing number eight as he did wearing number 24. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're probably going to remember him as 24. The Lakers have obviously retired both numbers. And at some point yeah. in this podcast, when we get to number eight, we'll probably talk about Kobe being Brian again. But, yeah, yeah I, I kind of in my head, I sort of think of him as a 24. Yeah, amazing, amazing player. Obviously mirrored his career after Michael Jordan. And when you watch him play, man, it's it's just incredible talent, uh, prolific score. Youngest player to start an NBA game, 18 years old in 158 days. That's great. Uh, youngest All-Star, he was 19 when he became an All-Star. 
and scored more points, sank more free throws, and had more TOs than any guard in history. How about that? So let's forget about the turnovers, but let's just go to the points <laughs> and the free throws. Um, and of course, he's the oldest player to score more than 60 points in a game. And once, thanks to Jalen Rose, scored 81 in a game against the Pacers. We'll always remember that. So Kobe Bryant, as 24s go, he might not edge out Willie Mays, and we'll talk about some others, but man, he's definitely on the, on the list of all-timers. For sure. Let's zip over to hockey real fast. Three guys who deserve honorable mention, Ryan Callahan, Sammy Kapanen, and Terry O'Reilly. And three guys who I think are contenders, Bernie Federko, who was the first player in NHL history to have at least 50 assists in 10 straight seasons, was the 22nd player in NHL history to score a thousand points, still holds the St. Louis Blues career records for points, assists, and games played. His number 24 is retired in St. Louis, and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2002. Doug Wilson, eight-time All-Star Norris Trophy winner, which is the NHL's top defenseman, if you didn't know. Blackhawks all-time leader in goals and points by a defenseman. First captain in San Jose Sharks history, where he is also the current GM and was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in this very year, Rudy Klanick, 2020. And finally, Chris Chelios. Uh, Chelios played in nearly 2,000 games in a 26-year career with Montreal, Chicago, Detroit, and Atlanta, who has had a professional hockey team twice. 26 years ties him with Gordie Howe for the longest career. He is the all-time leader in playoff games played, which is 266, which if you're doing fast math in your head is three and a quarter seasons. So he played three and a quarter seasons on top of a 26-year career, if you look at it that way. Won three Stanley Cups, three Norris trophies, wore number seven with the Blackhawks because Doug Wilson, who we mentioned, was number 24, but otherwise wore 24 throughout his career. 11-time All-Star inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2013. Rudy, we also have a few guys who are in the other category. Normally, we don't have people in this category, but we have three. And I know one of them is in NASCAR. So do you want to lead us through the NASCAR uh, entry into yeah, this uh, yeah. list? It's quite a quite an uh, entry into this list, man. Jeff Gordon really made the, the 24 car super famous. I mean, just a a phenomenal NASCAR career. 93 of his wins and four Winston Cup titles all came driving the very familiar rainbow number 24. No other driver in NASCAR history has ever won in a 24 car. Jeff Gordon was the prime contender versus Dale Earnhardt, really in the glory, I would say the glory, the most glory days that NASCAR's ever seen when stadiums were packed, TV ratings were up. You either really loved or really hated Jeff Gordon. Man, Jeff Gordon was a phenomenal race car driver and and really deserves a lot of attention as we're talking about 24s. Absolutely. And we also have two soccer guys, and you know I'm Mr. Soccer. So let me tell Mr. you a soccer. little bit about Tim Howard, wore number 24 with Everton in the English Premier League. And he wears number 24 in honor of Dion Sanders, who we mentioned earlier in the podcast. He's a Braves fan, and Dion wore 24 with the Braves. And so when he got to Everton, he said, give me 24. Speaking of the EPL, young David Beckham a guy that you may have heard of who has a famous wife as well. He really made number seven famous, uh, Rudy, but he had his breakout season in 1996 
wearing number 24. So he started with 24 and then shifted over to number seven and made that iconic and then came to the United States and wore 23 because of Michael Jordan, which we'll talk about in a subsequent podcast somewhere down the road. But those three guys, Jeff Gordon, Tim Howard, and young David Beckham deserve a nod as well on the list, which brings us to Rudy, your favorite segment, Screen Stars. You excited? Fantastic. You feeling it? I'm very excited. I'm very excited because I know one of your screen stars is one of my favorite screen stars. I'll let you go through the list. Spectacular. But, uh, All right. I'm pretty excited about All right. This. We're going five to one here. Here are the five people that we were able to uh, uncover for screen stars. Number five, Dylan O'Brien as Styles Stalinsky playing lacrosse <laughs> in Teen Wolf, the TV show which ran from 2011 to 2017. And I must admit, Rudy, I've never seen this show. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, Styles Stalinsky. Number four, Kadeem Hardison. You might remember him as Dwayne Wayne from It's a Different World. Kadeem Hardison was Antoine Tyler in The Sixth Man from 1997. Kadeem Hardison is now in a show called Teenage Bounty Hunters or something like that. And it looks like since 1997, Kadeem Hardison has done nothing but eat. He is quite fat in that show. Uh, I thought maybe it was a joke in the beginning, but now I'm beginning to think that's just the way Kadeem shows up. Number three is a gentleman named Toheeb Jimo, and he plays Sam Obasanya on my new favorite show, Rudy, a show that you need to be watching on Apple TV Plus. Ted Lasso, starring Jason Sudeikis. Uh, so Toheeb Jimo is Sam Obasanya. It's a cool show. It's about soccer, but nonetheless, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. And I like it. So you need to watch it if you haven't started watching it already. I'm in. Cool. Number two, Fred the Hammer Williamson, an actual athlete who played for the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl one, was Dr. Oliver Jones in MASH the movie 1970. And number one on the list, you know where we were going, Corbin Burnson as Roger Dorn in Major League from 1989. What's not to love about Corbin Burnson as Roger Dorn, Rudy? Nothing. He's my favorite third baseman. He's my favorite prima donna superstar. I loved him in L.A. Law, but his work in Major League is beyond reproach. Never gets in front of a a ground ball. Always bitching about playing time. Roger Dorn's my favorite. <laughs> so there you have it. That's Screen Stars. Dylan O'Brien, Kadeem Hardison, Toheeb Jamo, Fred the Hammer Williamson, and Corbin Burnson as Roger Dorn in Major League. That's Screen Stars. Okay, Rudy, and now it's time for the Hall of Shame. I'm going to do both Hall of Shame and the Derrick Rose Award, and then you're going to come back hot with the heat checklist, and we've got quite a long heat checklist. So let's talk about the Derrick Rose Award. There are two contenders here. Number one is a gentleman named Niall Kinnick. Niall Kinnick was the Heisman Trophy winner in 1939 and was killed during a training flight in 1943 while serving as a naval aviator in World War II. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1951, and the University of Iowa has named their football stadium in his honor. They gave him that honor in 1972. So when you see games played in Iowa City from Kinnick Stadium, Niall Kinnick is the namesake of that. Number one on our Derrick Rose Award is Marvin Bad News Barnes. Kind of like Spencer Haywood, drugs really sort of took away what might have been a truly exceptional career. And Marvin had a little problem with the law now and again. He once robbed a liquor store in broad daylight. Mind you, 
Marvin Bad News Barnes was 6'9", and at the time was wearing a jersey with his name on the back. Yes, uh, <laughs> wasn't didn't take too long to figure out who the usual suspects were when it was a 6'9 guy with a basketball jersey on that said Barnes on the back. He once attacked a teammate with a tire iron and served 152 days in state prison, once carried an unloaded gun through an airport. He wore number eight and number 27, as well as 24 in a seven-year career in the ABA and the NBA. He really made his name in the ABA, and drugs really got the better of him. He averaged 24 points a game over those first two seasons in St. Louis. Providence College has retired number 24 in his honor. They did so in 2008. Uh, Unfortunately, he died in 2014 at the age of 62, having succumbed to his addiction. He was drug-free for many years and then had a relapse. So yet again, kids, don't do drugs. And now we get to the Hall of Shame. And the Hall of Shame is Brazilian soccer as an institution. Uh, The number 24 is a taboo number in Brazilian soccer because it is associated with being gay. Uh, The association comes from a once popular illegal gambling game called the animal game, where the Portuguese word for deer, which is associated with the number 24, is viado. Apparently, that is also a homophobic slur in Brazil. And so for that reason, if Brazilian soccer players get 24, they're changing as quick as humanly possible. So Brazilian soccer, congratulations. You win the Hall of Shame Award. So Rudy, (laughs) it's pretty bad. I've I've really, I'm I'm touching on all kinds of of really taboo topics and subjects here. I'm I'm a little bit uncomfortable right now, I'm going to admit. So Rudy, take us through the heat check so I can get the spotlight off of me. Yeah, let's focus on some heat check, guys. I'll start from 10. We got 10 of them all the way to one. We got Jonathan Abram, hard-hitting safety. Raiders expect him to live up to the number 24 that he got, thanks to Mr. Woodson. We've got Capo Keiko, and I'm probably saying that wrong, but he's a 19-year-old right winger from Finland and happens to be the second overall choice of the New York Rangers in 2019. Second player in the NHL born in the 21st century to score a goal. Congratulations, Capo or Capo, whatever your name is. So good job. Another tongue twister for me, Lori Market. Well, say that, Tom, for me. Lori Markinen and Capo Caco. Capo Caco? Capo Caco, which is a fun thing to say. Capo Caco is his name? Capo Caco. Yeah, Capo Caco. Lori, is it Lori Market? Market? Say it. Lori Markinen. Markinen. Okay. All right. Next on our list is Lori Market. Say it again. Market. Market. Lori Lori Market. We'll edit all this out. Lori Market. Doesn't matter. I got it. I got it. (laughs) Next on our list is Lori Markinen. I said it. Solid big man for Chicago. And like many, he wears number 24 to honor Kobe Bryant. We got the sharpshooting Buddy Yield. Where's number 24? Why? Because of Kobe Bryant. He was also 24 years old, his rookie season. Josh Norman, for probably three to five years, the best corner, cover corner in the league for Carolina, Washington, talks a lot of trash. Right now, he shouldn't do that because he's not very fast. He's wearing number 29 this year, so maybe he's even ashamed to wear 24 moving forward. But for several years, especially in Carolina, man, that guy was locked down. Devontae Freeman. Wore 24 for six seasons with the Falcons. He wore number 24 to honor his aunt who died of a heart attack at 24. Wow. Crazy. 
the Falcons recently gave the number 24 to their young cornerback from Clemson, A.J. Terrell. So there's a new 24 in Atlanta. It's not Devontae Freeman. Nick Chubb, a great player in college with Georgia, has become a really solid contributor already as a running back, made a Pro Bowl last year, finished second to Derrick Henry for the rushing title. But he's a star in the making. He's only 25 years old. Number three on our heat check is Robinson Cano, a sweet swinging second baseman, wore 22 for the first two seasons with the Yankees and then gave it to a young man or an old man named Roger Clemens, wore 24 because it was a reverse of his hero, Jackie Robinson. So cool story there. Or 22 again with Seattle because Ken Griffey obviously had 24. But now with the Mets, he's 24 again. One of the sweetest swinging uh, left-handed hitters and a great second baseman, Robinson Cano. Number two on our 24 heat check players is Stefan Gilmore. He wore 27 the first season in Buffalo. He wears 24 because of Ty Law, Champ Bailey, Darrell Revis, and Charles Woodson. Pretty good lineup of cornerbacks right there. He's going into his ninth year now. He's a three-time pro bowler, two-time all-pro, has a Super Bowl ring, and was defensive player of the year in 2019. But our number one guy on the heat check, one of my favorite first basemen, Miguel Cabrera. One of the greatest right-handed sluggers uh, in the league since he started in the league. He wore 20 when he came in the league with the Marlins. Most famous, really, for being the first hitter to win the Triple Crown since 1967. He's a seven-time silver slugger, four-time batting champion. All he does is wake up and hit line drives all over the park. He's probably going to be the next member of the 500 Home Run Club, which guarantees him into the hall of fame so that's our heat check tom good job out of you rudy which brings us to dun, 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 dun. it's our very own music the hall of fame the hall of fame and this was a tough one was it not rudy to come up with five guys because there are an absolute ton of people who probably deserve to be or could be considered on this list yeah, I mean, the five we have are amazing, but man, as we just went through, there's tons of guys, tons of young ladies that have wore 24 through the years that have done some great stuff. But I think we've got the list knocked. I think we could probably get in a pretty good argument with anybody that's a sports fan on this list, but let's go for it. Let's do it. Number five on the list, Ken Griffey Jr., the kid, as Rudy had mentioned before, 22 years in the major leagues, 13-time All-Star, 7-time Silver Slugger, 10-time Gold Glove winner, MVP in 1997. He had 630 career home runs, which is seventh all-time, elected to the Hall of Fame in 2016 with 99 and 32 100% of the vote, which broke Tom Seaver's long-standing record of 98.84. Pan Giffrey Jr., number five on the 24 Hall of Fame list. Who's number four, Rudy? Before I go to number four, who's the idiot that didn't didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. for the Hall of Fame? Good point. Let's let's roast him later. Number four, NASCAR's own Jeff Gordon. Third all-time in NASCAR wins behind the King, Richard Petty, and David Pearson. He won the Daytona 500 three times, which ties him with Denny Hamlin, Dale Jarrett, 
and the great Bobby Allison. That's third all time. Jeff Gordon's our number four, 24, made the 24 car indelible in NASCAR history. Rainbow Warriors, we salute you. Number three, one of my favorite players of all time, Ricky Henderson, the greatest leadoff hitter, the greatest base stealer, the greatest run scorer of all time. Uh, He reached base Rudy more than 40% of the time throughout his career. He's the all-time career leader in runs scored, 2,295, stolen bases, 1,406. He has 3,055 career hits, 297 home runs. He's second all-time in career bases on balls, 2,190. He was elected into the Hall of Fame in 2009, which is the same year that the Oakland A's retired number 24. And some of the greatest stories in baseball history are about Ricky Henderson and Ricky Henderson referring to himself in the third person. That's a great, great, great number three. Let me get to number two. We we had a tough one here. Um, you could put these guys in a bunch of different orders, but our number two, number 24, is Kobe Bryant. Played 20 years with the Lakers, averaged 25 points a game, amazing. Scored over 16,000 points as wearing number eight. Scored over 16,000 points. We're number 24. Just a little bit more in number 24. He had 16,866 versus 16,277. So he got the 24, got the edge. 10 of his 18 All-Star Game appearances and two of his five championships and his lone MVP award all came wearing number 24. However you remember him, certainly a top 10 player of all time in NBA history and and, uh, in LA history, sports fan history. I mean, he may be number one. It's amazing the outpouring of affection that town had for Kobe and his tragic death. It really showed a lot about how much he meant to LA and as fans in LA and a special dude and certainly special player. So that's our number two. Who's our number one, Tom? Number one is a young gentleman named Willie Mays. Willie Mays, the Say Hey Kid, a lifetime 302 hitter, 660 home runs, 1,900 RBIs, 3,283 hits. And he had six 10-plus war seasons, which is tied for second all-time. To put that in perspective, Rudy, only one active player has even two, and that's Mike Trout. So Willie Mays, a 20-time All-Star and really one of the greatest players in the history of the game. You see how long his shadow was when we talked to Bill Cartwright earlier in the podcast, when you talk about Rick Barry, when you talk about Ricky Henderson, they were all influenced by number 24. So just to summarize at number five, Ken Griffey Jr., number four, Jeff Gordon, number three, Ricky Henderson, number two, Kobe Bryant, and number one, Willie Mays. That's a great list. That's a great number. 24, man. I think this is our best number so far. And that'll do it for this edition of Putting Up Numbers. Our thanks to Bill Cartwright. Remember, you can find show notes and more at our website, puttingupnumbers.com. Please, please tell your friends to listen, subscribe, rate, and review. It is appreciated. We'll be back soon with another edition. Until then, I'm Tom Davis. And I am Rudy Klinik. And we'll see you next time on Putting Up Numbers. Putting Up Numbers.